0: two, three. So, hello guys, um, Hi, Paul. I'd like to talk about, our, well, so I'd like to introduce our session today in regards to virtual events. Uh, I had a session earlier on with Shannon, um, which some students will be able to watch and is available, but today really looking at virtual events from a client perspective as well as the well consumer's perspective, and looking at it from the professional layout and the challenges that you would have in terms of producing these types of events, particularly with the situation we have now and also moving forward in the future. But before we jump into that, please introduce yourselves in terms of who you are, what you do and where you are at this current moment in time. Thank you.
1: Sure, well, I'll start. Um, my name's Shannon Harvey. Uh, I'm a consultant working in live events and virtual events, um, mostly on content and also on creative consulting. And this is Kalen. Yeah,
2: so my name's Kalen Dalton. I'm the managing director of a business called Lucid Technologies, uh, which is founded with Ashley. Um, We are a 3D tracking visual solution provider. and traditionally do a lot of stuff with large-scale ceremonies in the Middle East and are now here in Edinburgh with this studio that we've got. And I'm a previous graduate only last year of uh, a BA in visuals.
1: So um, I just say where we are at the moment, uh, this is a virtual production studio um, based in Edinburgh at Blacklight and uh, we're using this space for commercial uh, tv work advertisements but also live events and virtual events of different types
0: so from a client point of view they would come to you and let's say hire out your space and your time within that environment you're in now is that correct
1: yeah there's two kind of big parts to that so there's the actual filming and the use of the studio space and the operation but there's also the creative planning and the building of worlds, the environments that needs to be thought of before you actually walk into a space like this.
0: Right. So, so but, the space um, in, it. yeah, right, come on. No, no, continue.
2: So I was just going to say, yeah, so the studio itself physically is set up for clients, whether they be um, brands themselves or agencies that are looking after those brands will come to us traditionally to use the space which will involve both the technology and the operators as a package and that can be anyone from producers to um, stage managers through to camera operators and cameramen.
0: So Cameron so how, how, how big is that space that you have up in Edinburgh?
2: Uh, currently right now we are in a nine by seven and a half space and then we've got our gallery separate to that as well.
0: Right. So in terms of the technical team, are you the, the key technical operative in that environment? Or do you have a number of other staff that support your requirements for your clients when they come?
2: So traditionally with um, myself and Ashley, we kind of just sit as integrators over the top. Um, we traditionally bring in a lot of freelancers and stuff to do the very specific roles. Um, this is using technologies that we used before, but in terms of the broadcast elements, we will use trained video directors, video engineers, cameramen, and stuff that will traditionally freelance source
0: them. Okay. So if it's, if it's not case sensitive, is it possible to talk about a current or previous client that you've had and some of the challenges that you faced in putting together a virtual event, possibly on timelines, technical resources, software, hardware, uh, creative sort of concept behind that? Yeah, so um,
1: we've done a number of test events ourselves and produced a number of things ourselves because we needed to be able to have those conversations with clients. Um, And one of the events that we did was a live DJ set, um, which we broadcast, it is on YouTube, and and we broadcasted um, multi camera. So it was five cameras, and we were switching between those live. and creation of I think there were five virtual environments, four, four virtual environments, four virtual environments that the DJ basically was transported to to, to be in those different spaces. Um, as far as the the workflow and the time, um, they were fairly basic worlds, um, but they they had some integration like live video into the digital set, um, some automation actually in that. Um, and we produced those worlds in a matter of days it was about three or four days of prep time and then we shot the event and that was it so So it wasn't a huge production side it was it was pretty pretty straightforward really
0: so if i was to find those on youtube what where would i search what would i search terms will be um we can send a link we will send you a link
2: um as a car member by now, because basically we flew that under the DJ's name um, mm. and he's got it unlisted. So we'll have to send nice. you a link.
1: Okay. All right. But it does exist. It's just, um, it's also our first attempt and our first real work, re- literally coming out of lockdown um, right. and, and producing those things. So,
0: okay.
2: And then since then, we've kind of had a series of things. So we've had some stuff where we've been doing some children's TV. So we had an agency uh, approach us, they were in three days time about to go use a green screen studio. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had to force their hand and going, No, we need some projects. So come and do it with us. That was a big mistake.
0: Never do that. Was that stressful because of the time constraints you placed upon yourself or the technical challenge around that?
2: Um, A little bit of both. So the time constraint was definitely one because we also had another shoot in between that time.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: But mainly it was educating the client on actually what they were walking in and going to be doing, Um, which was an agency who were creating all the content for them, but then they didn't realize the differences of content when pointing into this application. So although we made the process very simple for them, we just took all of their stuff and put it on screen. It then looked slightly different to what they thought it was going to look like. Um, And then they had to play around a lot with finding the right shot because they've never shot uh, an ad, sorry, using a LED screen behind. And even that had complications for the camera person. And then the whole thing came very stressful. It was just too short to really be educating the client on what they're actually getting because it wasn't like I could provide them a CAD plan.
0: Yes. I think another really
1: key insight, Paul, is that the workflow has changed in this this side because in a lot of film and television and things, it was always we'll fix it in post or we'll do a lot in post. Mm -hmm. And with this, everything's going live out. So you have to have everything built in advance. Everything has to be tested in advance. And so it's actually more akin to live theater or or a live concert because you have to have the show ready and the set ready and everything for go and it's not it's it's so the time pressures are more like a live event than they are um, say
0: a, a cinema shoot or a, a TV shoot right this, this Caleb there's something I just want to pick up on what you said about educating the client because in the same way you you've done three years at university and you've had a lot of industry projects over that period of time and you couple of years out of university now and you've got your own um, uh, company up and running and seem to be quite successful at it from our conversation we met um, some months ago just by chance <laughs> um, so so in well, terms how do you of... remember that night because I don't <laughs> <laughs> I got pictures <laughs> <laughs> so um I just wanted to pick up on the point, like you said, about educating the client, because in the same way students are looking at this as a way of, of growing their knowledge base and, and obviously expanding within the industry, how have you find, found this in terms of talking to clients about what possibilities they can have and they don't need to go forward with, with a, another solution or even cancel their event? Has it been a difficult task in educating clients and potential clients?
2: yes it's been incredibly difficult um a lot of clients are very used to walking into a space and going can we put a banner here chairs here a screen there you know as they would do their conferences for example Mm -hmm. in here they're like they can't see a physical reference of where they want to put things and they struggle to understand the concept that they can essentially have it anywhere in a digital world so that's a first barrier but actually The other barrier is they don't understand how they can walk into a space like this and achieve the same look as what they would have in another place. So that's part of it. And then the other part of it is that this solution is so heavy in tech. Trying not to concentrate on tech with clients is really difficult. You overwhelm them they really don't want to know about the technology behind it. They just want to know about the creative applications. And so that was a massive learning curve for, I think, all of us in going, yeah. you no, know, rein the technology back and just talk about creative.
1: Yeah. How do you tell the story? How do you, how do you could, how do you convey their brand, their message? And, and what is the intent and value of using this technology? Because you could do it in other ways. So what is the advantage? And and that's what we've had to really focus as our as our pitch.
2: Without telling them we've got really expensive media servers, use these
1: Yeah. We <laughs> don't care. And 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 actually the the cost thing is interesting because to do some things
0: mm-hmm. it
1: would be cheaper than what we're doing. But to do other things, it would be far more expensive to mm-hmm. do what we're doing. And so there's a range depending on the project and the amount of effort is not necessarily akin to how long or duration of the show or whatever you're producing either. You know, we, we did a bunch of work on a, a short film, and it was half the work we did on four projects in a month, and it was only two minutes long. So you can do a lot of work for a small amount, or you could do less work for a lot more, and, and there's a lot of uh, difference in that.
0: Right. So, so you, you focus on some of, the, some of the challenges that you faced and you, you mentioned that you worked with a conference organizer. So as you know, there are many, many conferences that take place each year, and as well as let's say exhibitions. So before I talk about exhibitions, I want to talk about conferences primarily because that's one area where people have really enjoyed the whole destination event of going to another location, meeting up with people face to face for a three or four day um, conference, be it business to or, business or otherwise how how have that played out for you from a client perspective have the people who signed up to those types of events really seen a benefit and had it and has it been engaging have you done any any research or any you got any feedback from that in terms of working with those clients
2: so that's probably one of our strongest ones yet Mm -hmm. is actually we've been doing a lot of conferences and webinar style things as well Mm -hmm. um And that's been incredibly strong because our figures now from doing webinars Mm -hmm. is tenfold to what it was before, first of all. And then secondly, the participation is really great because people are really comfortable at home. They're Mm -hmm. they're sat there probably with a shirt on top, but might be either sat in their joggers or in their pajamas. (laughs) They feel really comfortable um, and they're still able to do business and talk. But, if they then want to disappear and go to the toilet quickly, they can just step out of it for a second. And so it's been really interesting to watch people's different attitudes to, if they're to walk into a conference, they might be all suited and booted, very kind of, you know, holding themselves nice and strong, but then on a a virtual one, they're kind of like slouching on their sofa, probably with some (laughs) curry down their t-shirt or something like they just don't (laughs) care. So
1: I, I think it's important. Uh, with all of that to just understand the dynamics of this year. You know, the the Zoom call has become the thing. Um, And there's been some really successful conferences and events that have gone fully virtual. Mm -hmm. And often that's purely down to Zoom or Teams or one of these other platforms. But it's not engaging in the content side. It's engaging in the conversation. Yes. And what we're trying to do is to join those two things up so that it's both engaging content, but also the, the intimacy of the direct contact that you get from having a, a group of six people on a Zoom chat talking about an issue. So you want to be able to combine those two things. And, and also that leads to the whole thing of hybrid events. We don't see this as being a stopgap to live conferences and things happening this is a way to be able to get out to a broader audience.
2: I I don't make as much money out of this that I do with a live event. Frankly. (laughs) We
1: we know we want to go back to live events, but we see this as being an add on value to that.
0: Right. Okay. So there's another side to it as well, in terms of the virtual world and it it, is how immersive you get. And I know that avatars have been around in the virtual world for quite, quite some time over 10 years now. And, most people will note through Sims World, where you take on an avatar and you walk around a given space. Have you created any of those types of environments or looking to create any of those types of environments for your clients? Uh, Yes. And what are the challenges?
1: Um, Well, we've done a couple of things. Uh, Certainly, what this allows you to do in the space that we're in is actually have real people interacting with that as well. Mm -hmm. And so there's been a number of core examples that have happened this year um, the Probably the biggest one is the Tomorrowland show that happened. And so Tomorrowland had uh, digital avatars for every person, every audience member, and they could take a journey and go through the experience and go through the video game on their own and choose their own perspective. But the shows they were seeing were being filmed in spaces like this. So the presenters, the artists, the DJs, they were all being put into that game world as real people mm-hmm. so it it allowed the audience to feel agency because they could interact with other avatar mm-hmm. but they could also see the performer and that was still a real thing now that's a hybrid but it's yes. it's based on game technology and you need a development team to be able to build that environment and that's where something like Fortnite is quite interesting because they've already got a platform and they're just taking this type of technology and bringing it in. And they've, they've just announced a series of concerts. They've announced a new world that's all about concerts. And so they're really leading in that. And Epic certainly are making big gains in that. We'll,
2: um, we'll see how that all goes yeah. with uh, Apple and Google. But yeah, will go into that topic.
1: But also, we've been also looking at, um, there's some really cool technologies uh, for motion capture that allow for real-time control of Avatar. So we've been looking at some of that. Um, we haven't ourselves done any direct development for uh, into game engine like for multi-user stuff, like to have mm-hmm. audience in the game engine. But we, we're not quite doing that yet.
2: We've been kind of looking into a lot of solutions um, for around the whole idea of a, a virtual exhibition mm-hmm. so that you can give each uh, exhibitor a certain amount of space uh, they can add all the objects they want into it, this, that, and the other. But there's not currently a, 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 a one solution that fits all um, because lots of them have different elements, but they don't fit together very well. For example, there's a really, really, really strong exhibition platform for allowing the exhibitor themselves to go in in VR, build their own stand, all this kind of stuff. Based on a restricted kind of boundary box, but you can only have twenty five people walking through it at a time. And then on the flip side, there's one that can let you do a thousand people, but the the render engine behind it doesn't look as good. And so from a brand, they don't want to buy into it as much. So we kind of having a conversation with a few um, exhibition organizers that were looking to replace events from the NEC this year, but they just kind of after going down a rabbit hole, they went, uh, this doesn't quite do everything we wanted it to. So I think we're just going to give it a and away for next year.
1: Yeah. It, I think another thing to say is that the supply chain itself is really broken. And, and so, at some level somebody has already made a decision that 2020 is a write-off and then there's no point in having the conversation because they're not even thinking that way and so it's it's getting through this pandemic stricken early adopter period and finding those companies who are still eager to try and communicate with audiences at home and have a reason to be able to do that and and that's that's been really challenging
0: yeah and and, i mean if you look at it from an economic perspective Exhibitions, obviously a consumer, but mainly trade exhibitions. And for any economy to continue to to grow and develop, then they need those business-to-business trade exhibitions. And like you said, um, you know, when they decided to shut down, you know, most economies to a large degree, uh, the event industry took it as red. And the Olympic Games was like the pinnacle to say, well, if we're not going to run our event this year, then I don't feel why anybody else should but um, like you said for for this for this economy to grow we do need trade and even if we're coming coming through a transition period with europe exhibitions would would, would seem like going back to what you said of being on the front foot so with the with the the exhibition organisers across the uk and the conference organisers across the uk and exhibition venues have you f- felt a need to go out and approach those organisers um, as they as a means to really capture that market now rather than wait till next year.
2: So you, you point on a really interesting topic there. The business to business is the most important part of the exhibition. The problem mm. was that all the businesses were closed as well. So when we were chatting to exhibition organizers, they were like, well, we could do this. You know, so there was some plat- uh, some people sorry, that were happy with a certain platform and wanted to go ahead with it. Mm -hmm. And then on review of it, they said, well, actually, all the businesses are still closed. Furlough's still in place. So technically, people can't even attend our virtual event because technically it's acting upon work. And there was this massive gray area. So people just were writing off the even idea to be able to get behind it. Um, Now we're starting to see a bit different. Mm -hmm. We're seeing people that are going, okay, so we postponed 2020 till 2021. And an example is. there's a show that was supposed to happen this september it's now happening next september now they're talking about doing a mini version in february virtually so that they can engage the audience again early before they eventually go out to advertise it come may time yeah. so they're trying to like help fill the gap a little bit but without completely replacing
1: it so they're doing cool. it as a brand engagement it,
0: yeah so that's a prelude to the main to the main event yeah.
1: there's still a reticence yeah. I would say, Paul, that people want to go back to having live events, and so they actually have a bit of a hesitation about a virtual event because mm-hmm. they think, well, that'll just replace the other. And I think the the real argument has to be that the virtual event can potentially get your message out to a broader audience who wouldn't be able to attend, but it's not there to replace the other. It's there to support and help with the messaging and the branding, but as, as Kaylin said, it's actually really hard to get everybody in the chain to agree to that. And We were we were having a call earlier today where somebody was still talking about having a major event this side of Christmas with audience. A big event. And you yeah. go, well, how how is that going to be feasible? And they go, well, we haven't quite figured it out yet. We're still working on it. You go, well, if you pack, package that with a virtual event, then A, you get a backup plan, but B, you can go to a broader audience. And I think those are the things that we're really trying to hit on is that this is an addition it's a way of connecting with audiences now and it's a way of connecting with more of an audience in the future in support of the actual event that you're doing and and i think that's the key in the next year
2: if, if yeah. i could make something happen tomorrow i would make all these socially distanced events start to broadcast because
0: mm-hmm.
2: right now you've got the bbc that are putting absolute repeats out of all their episodes you've got Netflix running out of things to publish at the moment because they haven't been able to shoot for ages and we've got some events happening but they're restricted in capacity because of social distancing so I'm like well who was the smart genius in the office that didn't turn around and go why don't we film it and broadcast it as well Hmm. like haven't we done that with festivals for years yeah well exactly that
0: yeah exactly that your largest festivals like like Glastonbury and and what used to be v festivals and a few others they came with you know channel 4 and bbc direct links so yeah people would would probably watch it post event or even sometimes right. live or even or even even on the radio as well yeah Broadcast. that's
2: kind of that's kind of what i was thinking with um, the the news around Glastonbury de- being delayed and stuff like that which i understood given the timing of when it was but Some events and festivals that are still canceling now, you know, my plea to them is you have no good reason for it. Mm -hmm. Um, Reduce your scale, do it on halves so you still can afford it, given the fact that you won't have a new ticket income. But go get a broadcaster to partner up with who are screaming out for content and are sat on a big pot of money to be able to do it. We're working quite closely with the BBC at the moment as well to put a load of events to them. And mm-hmm. it's a case of us trying to basically do that job for the organisers and be like, we'll partner you up with the BBC so you can get the rest of the money you need to make this event happen. Because we just want to see it happen.
0: Yeah. So so, so, go, let's, let's just take a little trip into this, the area of broadcasting then. So from your own studio that you have up in, in Edinburgh... Do you have a full broadcasting editing suite to accompany what you do? And are you trained do, sufficiently yeah. in that area? So the
2: only thing we don't have is the physically the outgoing signal itself to the broadcaster. Okay. We have the full vision mixing editing suite here. Um, we've got a big gallery setup which can accommodate up to nine people. Um, social distancing, obviously. Um, but we don't do the outgoing signal reason we didn't do that is because when we take on a broadcast like the BBC or STV or maybe it's someone else they will want to do their own way and so we'll just feed them a signal then they'll probably stream it back to Glasgow probably and then it gets distributed around mm-hmm. so that's kind of where we draw a line because that's also something we wouldn't have a clue in starting to specialize in. Either. And, and,
1: yeah. Also, just to say, when we first got and set up this space, there was no B truck outside because they were doing some broadcasts from here. So, so it's actually them bringing an OB truck is pretty common, mm-hmm. and
0: and it, it's there's space here.
2: There's one arriving again on Monday for another eight weeks. Right. So there's going to be no car parking spaces.
0: So, so for those of you who don't know what uh, Shannon was saying and Kayla uh, was saying, the OB is the outside broadcasting, and yeah. most live events, particularly sports football in particular they have um, Premier League, of, they have an outside broadcasting truck situated outside the venue and they would do a live broadcast on behalf of Sky or any other network that has the uh, agreement with them. So like yeah. you said, it, it, it can be done with events, um, the the, the, technology is, the technology is there, the challenge like you said is to get people out of the mindset in terms of closing off this year and how you then move forward for next year. So what what is your projection and, and where are you looking to gain your your work and clients you're looking at for 2021 as more (laughs) as more and more event organizers have probably woken up and and said well i
1: don't know what's coming tomorrow yeah (laughs) yeah that's a great crystal ball question um we've got some interesting things that we're both looking at together and separately Mm -hmm. we've got a lot Mm of a lot of opportunities and i think the one of the key things for for us this year was actually the relationship and the partnership that multiple companies have been able to do to set up these types of things and also the partnerships and the relationships that we've been able to develop with studios like this so there's actually a really strong community around this tech and that's really important when you need to be able to do things regionally Mm -hmm. and so the the thing about you know let's do a festival but let's do a festival that's actually broadcasting from four or five studios is Mm -hmm. totally possible and And those are some of the ideas that we think are starting to take some traction and 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 get some ideas going forward. But it's amazing that the the breadth of possibility for this space, because you've had everything from um, a, a movie with a car that was shooting in here, um, to advertisements, children's television, music videos, corporate comms, plenary sessions, webinars. it's It's totally across the board. And everything from the most abstract content behind us to photorealistic buildings, right? It's, it's everything in between.
2: If we were to talk about the, the business and the personal goals for this place, the business goals is to have someone in here Monday to Friday every single week for the next six months whilst we wait for events to come back. On the personal goals, I want to see at least six events by the end of the year streaming from here to a major broadcaster. Bringing things for people to watch from home, um, because that's just a personal thing for me. Like I hated it during lockdown.
0: There was nothing. Mm. So, 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 the venue that you got in Edinburgh. Where exactly is it in Edinburgh? If somebody wanted to find you, locate you.
2: So, um, Lucid have partnered up with a company called Blacklight, and that's how we've launched this studio. Mm. Um, so, this is Blacklight in Edinburgh, and uh, then we're. Working with a group of people such as Shannon and stuff on creating the experiences within these spaces, mm-hmm. um, but we are also working on launching several other studios within the next couple of months as well. So with each studio's kind of got its own focus, so we've got uh, one that's going to be set up specifically for film, another one was going to be set for corporate comms, and then the one that's like here, which is more of a hybrid that can do pretty much all of it
0: but we are building
2: specialist ones
0: also. So, so are they going to be a franchise or they're going to be on the direct ownership of your parent company? So
2: what we've created is the powered by Lucid Technologies brand. Mm-hmm. So we'll be partnering with other people, other um, companies to create these studios. So it will be X powered by Lucid Technologies. So we will help bring the technology and the workflows that we've developed to those spaces um, to be able to allow them to access this technology and to hopefully build more work and more events for people to get back to work and and to watch.
1: And then from our perspective, my company with Creative Alchemy One is really about the digital side of that in helping people to create the worlds, create the content, create the environments and support understanding the workflow to be able to get to shoot here. They right. they, need, they need to understand that pre-production process and to be helped through that. Um, and that's what we're we're adding value to each other by doing that.
0: Right. So you've got, um, you got a good
2: working partnership. Pre-production, do the gig. So we've got pre-production, do the gig. And that OB element we were talking about is mm-hmm. the third person that should be stuck there. So that's kind Yet of how to, it works. It kind of goes in that order.
0: Yeah. Yet to arrive. So, so in, in terms of, um, sorry, Shannon, Shannon. So that's in ter- all right, in ter- very fine. I was waving bye to, somebody. Just
2: saying bye to someone in the background.
0: All right. Okay. So in terms of your, your, your working partnership, you say you, d- you do a lot of work on your own, obviously, and you come together as and when is necessary. So just focusing on the creative side that you're, that you're doing with your, your particular clients, have you seen any real, challenges that you've had to overcome in the short in the short term in working with the, the real creative side of what you do?
1: Um, I think the biggest challenge for us is going to be responding to the scale of what people actually want to do given the size of our team. And as things are starting to pick up and take off now, I, I have to consider whether or not we need Inward investment, so that we can grow our team more rapidly, just so that we can respond to what wants to happen. Um, and that's a good problem to have. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that problem. Um, technically, the workflow works, and we know how to to make good content, and we know we know where the the limitations are. Um, and right now, it's the hurdle of connecting with clients, which we're finally kind of really breaking through. I feel like. We both have, in fact, we, we haven't really had a conversation in a couple of weeks because we've both been so busy and we've agreed this evening we're going to have a nice dinner so that we can actually bounce off and go, hey, I've got this thing, you've got that thing. How can we help each other? Um, because we we thrive off of that. We've, we've done that for years. Um, but yes, connecting with clients and then being able to scale up our operations to be able to respond to the demand that we can see is coming because it's... It's definitely about to go mental.
0: <laughs> you right. can
1: feel it.
2: The world is only just opening. Yeah. Like literally these last months, but not really even the last couple of days I'm seeing big changes all over the world of companies reopening, starting to do things. The inquiries are almost doubling every kind of 48 hours um, for both of our sides. You know, we were sharing some stuff last night where we're going, oh, I know I'm seeing you tomorrow, but this has just come in. Um, and so now is a really important time in the whole world, I think to be now finding these clients, engaging with them, building upon what they wanted to do. So what could they do instead? Um, and then getting back to work as quick as possible for a lot of people. Yeah, We've been
1: very fortunate, but it's still not
2: quite where we'd like it to be.
1: And, and I think the other key thing, Paul is, we self did this like we mm-hmm. we we came out of lockdown and said we have to do something
2: yeah we, it, was, it was during during, lo- lockdown. during yeah. lockdown we were like i've had enough of this
1: i, <laughs> need, I need to coil cables yeah. and, and so we we self created that opportunity but we know that a lot of companies certainly weren't encouraging employees to do that because they were all on furlough mm-hmm. but also because we were freelance and because we kind of didn't have another option It was kind of like well dig in invest Mm -hmm. make that effort and be be one of the people that pops out early so that you can help other people with that transition and and that's something we wanted to help inspire other people to come out of lockdown in a creative way just keep being creative and that that i think has been key for us
2: i think for event managers potentially hearing this like you normally do this at the end but If I had something to say to event managers right now, it would be don't go to agencies to find work. Go get it yourself because the agencies are not going to be here for very much longer. If you look at the amount of agencies globally that have fallen in the last six months, it's massive. One of the biggest agencies for events in the UK collapsed last week. And uh, now there's a hundred people that they have full-time employees currently out there looking for work and they're all going around and popping up by themselves because now they can, uh, you know, especially with stuff like this, it's easy for one event manager to go in and, and really pull this kind of thing together. So don't go to the agencies, but instead go knock on a brand's door and say, here, like, what are you doing? What events have you got? Or if you know, they had an event, this time last year reach out to them now and we go like are you about to cancel i don't think you should
1: yeah we're we're, we're finding clients who are actually saying we've been going to agencies for years trying to talk to people like you why, why are we talking to them and and we're like oh great how can we help <laughs> yeah
2: now is not the time for middlemen no people haven't got the budgets for that
0: no yeah so i'd, I'd, I'd like to close on this question and probably caleb this is for you Um, You said earlier on that you're looking at growing the business, obviously, as any business wants to grow and you're going to open up new hubs across, I I presume it's across the UK or maybe across the world. You didn't really specify. Um, So, so will you be working with um, sponsors to sponsor your, 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 your growth or your hubs or you're looking at is it purely self investment from your point of view? Or what type of of collaboration are you working on?
2: A little bit of both, to be honest. So we're very fortunate to have uh, an investor behind us as a business. That's kind of how we got started. Um, But in respect, we're also looking for endorsement from people who want to set the studios, have the most part of it, like LED screens and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. to kind of be reaching out to us and going, hey, you know, we'd love to partner with you. And that takes away a lot of it we will fund and help develop the control setup of the studios but there's the physical space and some of the larger parts that the studio needs to have and so that's the way i'm looking at trying to build relationships with studios and essentially treating them like an investor they're buying into the solution that we've
1: developed the expertise is here yep come get it yeah
0: so shannon just to close off then the In regards to what I just said to to Caleb, is there anything that you would like to tell the, uh, you know, the up and coming event managers who will be on the scene in the next few months and looking at this industry and looking where to go?
1: Well, good luck (laughs) as a first starting point, but I think um, the most important thing is to, is to say yes to outside of the box ideas and to be, uh, ambitious in what you think you might be able to achieve and help your clients tell stories. And if you can connect with a client about the story that they want to tell, the technology doesn't matter. It's about being able to connect that story to an audience. And and that's what event managers need to be supporting, is helping their clients to reach that audience.
2: Maybe I can give a very quick one minute story to prove that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You asked me to go do a job down in London about two years ago, which was to go operate a lighting desk that I had very minimal knowledge in using. Going and doing that, I fluked my way through it and the show went incredibly well, but was the first time I saw this technology in its first developments. And without seeing that, that triggered a starting path to ultimately what we're doing now.
0: Thank that you very much. was
2: the MTV EMAs. But don't tell the people that would pay me that I said
0: I was fluking my way through. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. well, thank, thank you very much, gentlemen. Um, I, like I said, hopefully we can meet again at some time and talk again about some of these subjects in, in even more depth. But I'll leave it for today, the 11th of September. And hopefully the, the rest of this year is, is not a complete write-off. And 2021 is a really successful year for both of you.
1: Thank you very much, Bob. Thank
0: okay. you very much. Speak to you soon. Thank you.